He is unstoppable. There's nothing that he can't do. There's no victory he doesn't have. And it's not just his. He wants to bring you into the victory in everything, that you would be overwhelmingly more than a conqueror. Amen? God is so good. Well, you can greet the folks around you, and then you can be seated. So, Gabe, is it weird seeing yourself up there? <laughs> but you do a great job. <laughs> Amen. We're going to continue to talk about uh, and learn about unity because it is what God has ordained and determined would be the gateway to revival. Um, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 14, this is a, a foundational scripture, but it says that uh, and over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. There's perfect unity that God has for us. Jesus prayed for that unity uh, in John chapter 17, that we would be one. We would be one with the Father and the Son. We would be one with one another. So there's a, a unity, a connection that God has for us to, to walk in. But the only way that happens is through love. Now, we've been looking at the characteristics of love and, and how love is expressed, how people will experience the love of God. It's, it's an unconditional, selfless, sacrificial love. And uh, Jesus said, they'll know you're my disciples. By what? Not just love. Love for one another. See, we, we've got to recognize that when we love one another, people take notice. And when they see that happening in the way that God has, which is unconditional, no matter what anybody does, we still love them. Amen. Is that easy? It's not. It's, the only way that can be done is by the grace of God. And the love of God. And, and so uh, this love that, that we love, we are to love one another as God has loved us is a love that will overcome anything that the enemy would try to do to bring division. Because where there's division, there's loss. A house divided won't stand. A city divided won't stand. A church divided won't stand kingdom divided won't stand. And yet we see division so prominent in our, our world today and even in the church. And that's where we have to be aware of the enemy's devices. The Bible says don't be ignorant of his devices. And he's come to, to bring division, to steal, to kill, and destroy. And, and yet God has a provision for us to overcome that. Um, and before we look at the characteristic today that we're going to be looking at, because we've looked at a few characteristics of love and how it's demonstrated, how it's expressed, how it's experienced, um, I, I want to ask you, I just want to make a, a, a couple of statements. One is that there was only one perfect person who always did what the Heavenly Father wanted, and the rest of us make mistakes. We're flawed, we're frail, we fail. Is that accurate? Okay, so we're all in agreement that nobody here is perfect. Only Jesus. And, and so he always did what was right. We want to do what's right, but even the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 7, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. What a wretched man I am. Anybody here besides me be able to relate to that? My goodness. And, and so... 
there's only one perfect. So that indicates if we're not perfect, we're going to need something. When, when we do imperfect things, when we do things that, that are wrong or even bad, we're going to need something given to us by God and by others. It's something that we want to be freely and fully given, generously given, but find it hard to freely and fully and generously give to others. And it's forgiveness. Today we're going to talk about, we're going to begin to look at forgiveness because this is one of those characteristics of love where the Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. It, it, we found out when it says love covers a multitude of sins, it envelops these sins. It, it surrounds these sins that other people do to us. And it turns what was once irritating and in injuring us to something that is beautiful and precious. And only God can do that. And God is love. And that's where that love, as we live this love, we choose to make decisions that are, are directed by the love of God. Whatever happens in our lives, God can begin to turn it around because we're, we're walking in the way he has designed and desired. And, and today... Uh, you know, we, we've looked at this scripture in, in Colossians. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2 through 3, it says it this way. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Now, I know that, that Debbie makes great allowances for my faults. It's not that she doesn't see them. It's not that she doesn't experience things as a result of my faults or my flaws or my failures. But because she loves God and she's chosen to love me with God's love, it's something that would normally divide us. It is not able to do that because of, of her choice. And I, and I do that with her. We do it with each other. Um, it says this, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. So this unity, we are able to make allowances for each other's faults. It doesn't mean that we don't recognize somebody has made a bad choice or done something wrong, okay? But we choose to cover that in love. And, and we're gentle, we're humble, we're kind, we're patient, and we forgive. And we're going to see this today. But it says we have to make every effort to keep ourselves united. So many times we have an opportunity to just choose to disconnect and back off from a brother or sister in Christ. And, and what that does is that weakens the body of Christ. It hinders the work of God the way he wants it to be done. Because the Bible talks about us being united in every joint supplying. Where there are connections, there is something that God produces that's unique and needed. And so that's why we can't afford to allow division to be in the midst of the body of Christ, in the midst of our families. The Bible talks about where there's strife and envy, there's every evil work. When those things start to happen, when division starts to happen, who fills that gap where the division comes? The enemy. The enemy exploits that, that when there's a pushing away, when there's a disconnect, the enemy immediately moves into that area to begin to widen the gap. And he's the accuser of the brethren. He's going to accuse to us somebody else, speak badly of. And, and we need to be aware of that because whenever the enemy speaks... He's the father of what? Right. Lies. Those lies are something that's not true. Those lies are a deception, and that deception brings, brings a loss to our lives. And we're going to miss out on what God has for us. And uh, this says, binding, keeping, making every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. That peace, you know, we've, we've looked at that before. It's the word irene. It means to set it one again. When, when God's peace is present, it's always reconnecting, setting it one again. 
We have to always be, we should be people that are always looking to reconnect. Wherever there's a division, we need to look to reconnect. Now, there are, are some characteristics when, when things happen, how to reconnect, how to do it well. Um, and in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 through 13, this is where we were looking at the characteristics. It says, since God chose you to be holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Now, we're kind of jumping over patience, but you, you and I, I think we know what patience is. It's, it's, there are two aspects to patience. One is to bear up under, and that's to be strengthened. And then there's an endurance to be able to go through. And we're not going to look at that today. I just felt like I was to go right to the next part in verse 13. Making allowances for each other's fault. Forgive anyone who what? Offends us. This is whose word? When God tells us what he tells us, it is always for us to be able to experience abundant life. Whenever he tells us something, it may look impossible, but with God, what is possible? All things. But it also says all things are possible to those who believe. We can look at this and say, God, this is impossible. Forgive anyone who offends me? Really? And yet this is what God tells us to do, and he doesn't expect us to do it in our own ability, in our own effort, in our own might, or our own power. He's given us Holy Spirit who's in us, who floods our hearts, uh, the Bible says, with love. And, and that love is what causes us to have the grace and the power to be able to forgive anyone or everyone who offends us. And whether they meant to or not, we still have a responsibility to forgive. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must. Can we just take out that word? You must forgive others. Wow. Sometimes I read things in the scripture and I'm like, oh, really, God? You know, I, I, transparently, I will tell you that there was a time in my life that I, I stopped reading the Bible. I didn't want to learn anymore because I knew whatever I read I was responsible for. And so I didn't, I didn't want to be responsible for anymore. So I, in my own selfishness, said, I'm not reading anymore. And then I realized how dumb that was. And uh, decided I'd go back to it and realize that God, God knows that we are a work in progress and will never attain to what he has for us to, to attain to here in this life. Uh, we will one day be what he created us to be, but it won't be here. But we should be gaining on it all the time. And so today we're going to look at forgiveness. But before we do, I just want to pray. So if you just bow your heads. And this is not a time for you just to, to check out. It's a time for you to also pray and invite God to speak to your lives. I'm going to, Father, I pray that you would, would bring this word to life. Your word is life and health to those who find it. We thank you for healings today. Healings of hearts and minds. Healings of relationships. Healings in families and among friends. Father, we, we thank you that your word is truth and it brings freedom. Father, today we, we are expecting as we hear your word that there would be a freedom, a freedom from bitterness, frustration, anger, and any other thing. That, Father, we can walk in your peace your hope and your joy. Father, we thank you for speaking to us concerning our situations and circumstances. Lord, as you do, you bring a light into our 
dark situations, situations that seem overwhelming and impossible, but we realize with you all things are possible, and you give guidance. Father, thank you today for guiding us in the way that is everlasting life. Father, help us to get realigned with you, with your truth, with your ways that are life-giving. And we thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. So this talks about forgiveness, to forgive. This word forgive, uh, Webster defines it as to excuse a fault, to pardon, to absolve, or cancel from payment. Uh, Vine's Expository Dictionary uh, has a definition of completely canceling a debt. That's it, there's a remission of punishment due, due and to bestow favor unconditionally, to be gracious in kindness, to pardon, to free, to deliver, to rescue. So this is a good thing. But this is what I really wanted to get to. Strong's concordance, the definition, the word for forgiveness and I am not going to get this right, but I'm going to give you my best. Charidzomahi. So if you want to repeat that, that's great. I'm not going to. Uh, but, but the first part of that, chara, is the word grace. This comes from the root word grace. This is about a grace word. And, and we know about grace. We were saved by what? And the Bible says that that grace was a gift, right? It was given to us freely and fully, not because we deserved it, not because we earned it. And it goes on, the scripture says, lest anyone would boast. So we're saved by what God chose to do regardless of what we do. But we have to choose God. And it means when we choose Christ to be our Lord, we begin to turn our life over to him. And the rest of our days here is, in essence, turning other areas, more and more of our lives, over to the control and the guidance of God. And so this, this, this word for forgiveness, it's a grace gift. It's a pardon or rescue. And, and this says we must forgive. And that's where when we see that, we realize this isn't something we do on our own or in our own ability or our own strength or our own effort. This is something that we can only do with God's help and by the Spirit of God. And um, that's where, you know, when we, when we see this, we must forgive. I know in, in my life there are times that things have happened, that I've, I've experienced things just like you have. We've had things done to us. And I've said it, I've thought it, I've heard other people say it. I know at probably at, at one point in all of our lives, we've all thought it. Well, I just can't forgive. Now, I know when I've said that, when I've thought that, when I've heard other people say that, and I think about the scripture, this says, so you must forgive others. But I just can't. You know, I share with you, I think it was last week, about the challenge I had with, with anger in my life and how I would tell God, well, I, you know, I just can't do different because this is the way you made me. And obviously I was deceived because God didn't make me that way. I was choosing some things in my life that I didn't want to be responsible for. I didn't want to have to control or put under the control of God who is love. And it's the same thing here. I, I look at this and I say, well, I, you know, God, you know what they did. I just can't forgive that. And yet he tells me to forgive everyone in every situation. Sometimes it's overwhelming, and yet we don't have to do this alone. God never tells us something to do that we can't do with him. But he will tell us things to do that are impossible for us to do on our own. And that's where we have to look to him and trust in him. And, and many times when we say or someone else says, I just can't forgive, there's a misunderstanding of what forgiveness is. And, and 
So I, I just want to share a few things that, and it's not an exhaustive list, it's just a few things, but forgiveness does not mean you pretend nothing happens. You know, sometimes we think if, if we're to forgive, we have to pretend like nothing ever happened. No, you can't do that because it did and you know it. But there's a difference between trying to deny it and not continuing to focus on it. Okay? Um, we, we need to recognize it's been done, but not fixate on what's been done. We need to focus on God. That's the only way out of these things, is to keep our focus on God. It does mean we choose to let it go to God. All right? When I say that, uh, what I'm saying, when we let it go... <laughs> I think of, of our granddaughter, and I think it's Frozen. There's a song, Let It Go. She just belts it out, and she does all the, the uh, motions to it, and I wish I could do it that freely and fully. But we're to let it go. But we're to let it go to God, not continuing to consider it and carry it and freshly focus on it. Because if we freshly focus on, on what's been done to us, even though it was five years ago, it's present. It continues to do damage in us because we allow it to. It's kind of like an injury that we have that we keep picking at it. That may be a little gross, but it's pretty accurate because it'll never heal. And until we let it go, again, it doesn't mean we, we say nothing happened. It happened, but we've got to give it to God. What is there that happens in our life that we can withhold from God and have God's will? Nothing. That's where with this, like everything else, we have to give it to God. Give it over to him. Let go of the offense. Let go of the bitterness. Let go of the desire for revenge. Because we know in Romans chapter 12, uh, the Bible tells us as his beloved not to avenge ourselves. He said, vengeance is mine. So we need to turn it over to God. Well, I don't know if they're going to... Pay for what they did. We are not the judge. We are not the ones to mete out whatever adjustment that needs to be made. We need to love people. We need to turn them over to God. We need to turn the situations over to God because God's the only one can, that can work. Because that which was done to us should be in the past. It shouldn't be something that we allow to happen over and over and over again. Hello? God doesn't want you to continue to be damaged. So if it's in the past, who can change your past? That's right. Only God. Only God can change our past. He can redeem our past. He can work it out for good. And so we have to leave it with him. It doesn't mean that what was done was okay. Sometimes we think, if I forgive, they're going to think it's, I'm, I'm saying it's okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. But we need to make sure that we don't continue in the situation so that we continue to get damaged and hurt. It doesn't mean you immediately trust the person again. You put yourself in that situation. You know, we, we have to be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. And, and there are times where we have to step back. And whenever we step back, our stepping should always, no matter what's going on, always be towards God. We may step away from a situation that has been injurious or damaging, but we're not running away. We're turning to God, to trust in God, to see God somehow redeem this situation. 
Again, we say, I just can't forgive. When we hold on to things and we're angry about them and, and we want to see whoever did what they did recognize what they did was wrong. And sometimes we hold on to these things, not forgiving, because we want them to be punished. We want them to know what they've done. And, and when you and I hold on to the hurt, the only one that gets hurt is us. Many times the ones that hurt us, that did what they did to us, they're going on with life. And we need to go on with God. There's a life for us to go on with. But if we don't let it go, we're going to be stuck in the past. And we're not going to be able to experience the future. The plan God has for us, for good and not for evil, with a future and a hope, we get stuck. And God wants us to be free. We, we, we rehearse it. We nurse it, and it continues to do fresh damage to us instead of dispersing it. We need to give it to God, release it to God, who promised to work it for good. Amen? And so why? Why, why do we have to? We must forgive. Why do we have to forgive? If we don't forgive, we are not able to experience the life that God has. First of all, if we don't forgive, we're, we're going to be robbed of the very things God has planned for us. But before anything else, if we don't forgive, we're not being obedient to God. His word tells us over and over. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 and 30 through 32, it says this, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good... For necessary edification, and that's meaning building up, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God and Christ forgave you. So... When we don't forgive, when we hold on to the bitterness, the anger, the wrath, the clamor, the evil speaking, we're grieving the Holy Spirit. He's the one that indwells us to empower us to live the abundant life that God has for us. And we don't even realize it. When we, when we grieve Holy Spirit, there is a, a hurt that comes. We're bringing hurt to God. Somebody brought a hurt to us. And we're in essence passing that hurt on to God. All of you that are parents, you know what it's like when, when your kids are at odds or as an individual when you are not as connected with a friend or a family member as you know God would want us to be, there's this injury, there's this hurt that happens. And right now, in the world we're living in, there is just a flood of hurt that's occurring in people's lives. And we can turn the tide if we walk in what God has for us to walk in. Now, please understand, I'm not telling you that this is quick. I'm not telling you this is easy. I'm not telling you that this is enjoyable. But I am telling you that this is God's will. And God's will is always the best. It doesn't always look like it. It doesn't always feel like it. But it always turns out to be the best. And so we... We have to make this choice. And it's something that we all have to make. And it's not just one time, oh, I'm going to forgive. It's every time somebody does something to us. We have to choose to walk in love and let love cover that. Let that forgiveness cover it. 
Let it be given to God and let him work on it as he works on us, as he works on us. So we're to be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave us. So let's take a second and how did God forgive us? When did God forgive us? When Jesus was on the cross, right? He paid the price. Forgiveness was purchased at that moment. Is that correct? Forgiveness for all sins, every sin of everybody throughout eternity. But if people don't recognize what Jesus did and, and repent, turn from running their own lives and turn their lives over to Christ, they don't receive that forgiveness. It's right there, okay? It does them no good. But God did it before any of us ever realized we had done something wrong. Is that correct? Ever asked to be forgiven. You know, sometimes we, we wait to forgive. Well, I'll forgive them when they ask me to forgive them, when they apologize. But they may never ask. For you to forgive them they may never apologize i have i have sat with people who have been injured hurt deeply by people that are no longer in this life who never asked for forgiveness and yet we can be healed because it's not based on them coming to us it's based on us releasing it And as much as we think we can't, we can. With God, we can do all things. And it's a choice to do it by faith. And sometimes we get so connected with our feelings in these offenses and hurts and injuries. It, it does hurt. There are feelings. But we're to walk by faith and not by sight or feeling. We choose to do it because God said we can do it, and we do it trusting God and believing that he is backing us up and fortifying us to be able to do it. So the first reason why we forgive is because we want to be obedient to God, because the Bible says obedience is better than sacrifice, and the willing and obedient will eat the best of the land. There is a blessing that comes from obedience to God that can't come any other way. And whether we understand what the blessing is or not, but here's the blessing. The blessing is freedom and healing. When we give these things over to God, he immediately begins to bring freedom and healing to us. To us. The second reason why we, we must forgive, it's real simple. We know it. Matthew chapter 6, verse 12 and then dropping down, but this is where Jesus is, has been asked, uh, Lord, teach us to pray. And part of the Lord's prayer is, forgive us our what? Debts or trespassers as we forgive our debtors. All right, so this talks about debts. Some talk about trespasses. Um, what is a debt? Something that is owed to someone else. When, when somebody's in debt to you, uh, it, there's, there's something they owe to you. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Or forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Um, that, that word debts is a word that means a fault or a transgression. And... When we think about a debt being owed, the Bible tells us what we owe. The Bible says, owe no man anything except to love him. That is one thing that we are commanded by the word of God to do to everybody. We're supposed to love everybody. Because if we're followers of Christ, if, if we're aligned with God, and God loves everybody. God loved us when we were dead in our trespasses and sins. God loved us when we were enemies of the cross. And if God loves all these people, all the people in the prisons, God loves them. 
He doesn't love what they did. All the people in this church, God loves us, but he doesn't love everything we do. And so we're supposed to love unconditionally. And again, this is, this is how unconditional love expresses itself. It forgives. And then it goes on to say, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Again, we started out, I, I asked you, uh, I said to you that there was only one perfect person. So that's, that's clearly indicating that every one of us is, is flawed, frail, and prone to failure without God. And I know God has forgiven me, but I also know 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sin, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And just because I'm saved, just because you're saved, just because we've got the Spirit of God in us doesn't mean we can't sin. And there are two types of sin. I know the Bible lists, but there are two categories of sin. Sins of commission, things we do we shouldn't do. And then sins of omission, things we should do that we don't do. And the longer I walk with God, the more I'm aware of things that I'm doing that I shouldn't do and things I'm not doing that I should do. And I will just say that probably every day, every one of us either does something we shouldn't do or doesn't do something we should do. And so in that place of missing the mark of God, which is sin, I need forgiveness. I need, I need God to freshly cleanse me. That's why 1 John 1, 9 is there. And, and you know, sometimes we think, well, I, you know, I don't want to have to go to God and repent. I don't want to repent. I repented one time. <laughs> well, I, I, the longer... I am alive, and the more I study God's word, the more I am aware that I need to allow repentance to be an everyday part of my life, a turning back, a turning around, a turning over to God like never before, because in this world, it's so easy to be led astray, to get off track or get tripped up, and the only way back is turning back to God, and that's what repentance is. And receiving the forgiveness that God has for us. Because if we don't forgive, God says he can't forgive us. And I know in my life, I need that forgiveness every day. And I think we all do. And so just for that, and it's kind of a selfish motive, but just for that we recognize, man, I need, I need to offer I need to freely and fully give forgiveness to another person. And then Mark, in Mark 11, 24 through 26, it says this, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. And when you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, man, anyone? Anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. It's the same thing. We need to release that person from the debt that we feel they owe us, whether it's an apology or whether they have to do something to make it right. We release it. And we don't just release it and say, okay, well, I'm never going to think about it again. We release it to God so that God can work that for good. Because, you know, we may think we know what's going to be good. I can't tell you how many times I've thought what I was going after was going to be good and it didn't turn out good. But God always does what's good, what's always perfect, what's always right. And so we need to release it to him because Without that, it'll never have a chance of working out for good. 
but with God having us placing those situations, those people, those instances in him and in his control, he will work it for good. He will cause it to become, as we love and surround these sins with love, become something precious, something valuable, and something beautiful. And it's almost hard to comprehend, but he's able to do it. So we, we must forgive to be obedient to God. We must forgive so that we are not hindering the forgiveness of God in our lives. The third reason why we, we need to forgive is so our faith isn't hindered. Well, what's forgiveness have to do with faith? Well, as we read right here, it says, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them. Now, when you pray and believe you receive them, that's faith. Is that right? Do we agree on that, that that's faith? Okay. And, and so it says, and when you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. So that's love. When, when we operate in forgiveness, we're operating in the love of God. It's one of the characteristics, one of the actions that love takes. Now, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 6, it says this. Faith working through love. When we don't forgive, we're diminishing the love of God in our life, and it's going to hinder our faith. We're not going to be able to energize our faith because that faith is energized. It works. It's empowered through love. And that's another reason why the enemy wants to keep us in that place of being in pain and, and not forgiving and being bitter and, and angry at another person because when we're bitter, when we're angry, we're not going to operate in faith because there's no love there. We will experience pain. Jesus experienced pain, all sorts of pain. Pain of betrayal, pain of abandonment, pain of being lied about. Then there was all the physical pain. But all the relational and emotional pain that Jesus experienced was way beyond anything we could ever experience. And yet, what did Jesus do? On the cross, he said, Father, get him. That's what I would have been yelling. Teach him. Show him. No, he said, Father, forgive him. And why, why did he say forgive him? Because they don't know what they're doing. Oh, yeah, they did. They knew they were, they were injuring him, don't they? Didn't they? They didn't know God's love. But they also didn't understand that what they were doing to him was being done to the Father. Just like Jesus said when, when he intercepted Saul, the apostle Paul, and knocked him off his donkey. And he said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And Saul wasn't persecuting Jesus. He was persecuting Christians, followers of Christ. And Jesus took everything that was done to them and said, whatever you do to them, you're doing to me. They didn't understand that they were going to stand before God and answer for what they were doing. I'm going to tell you right now, whoever has hurt you, whoever has disappointed you, whoever has frustrated you or injured you, they don't have any clue that one day they're going to stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and answer for what they did to him. But that ought to be a wake-up call for us. Because whatever I do to anyone else, Jesus takes it as done to him. Not just the good things. He sees how we treat each other. Man, that was a, 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 just a shocking awakening for me. You know, marriage is one of those things that will show how little love you walk in. Well, at least it showed me. And, and I remember there were situations going on with Debbie and me, and, and I had not treated her well. 
I had not been patient. I had not been kind. I had not been loving. I had been selfish and rude and harsh. And I remember going to pray. And these thoughts started coming up as I was praying. Why are you asking me for what you're asking me when you have injured my daughter? When you have injured me, you've hurt her and you hurt me. I, I don't know. All I can tell you is that was an aha moment and an oh me moment at the same time. And I realized, Debbie, my friends, my family, all are gifts given by God. And he's giving me part of himself because he's in them. And how I treat them is how I treat him. And I realized I needed forgiveness. But if I need forgiveness, I need to be quick to forgive. Quick to forgive because I don't want my faith hindered. The last <clears throat> thing I'm going to mention about why we need to forgive is so the enemy doesn't take advantage. We've got a real enemy. The Bible says he goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And, and so he's looking for entry points, opportunities. And we don't need to give him opportunities, but we do when we don't forgive. We open up a door. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27. It says this. Be angry and don't sin. So anger in itself is not a sin, but when we take action on it or we let it increase, that... that Word angry means to be frustrated. It uh, also, let me get, get the right information. To be exasperated, to be frustrated. And then it says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. So if we're going to give place to the devil, we let our anger develop or our hurt develop into something more impacting. That word wrath is different from the word anger. It means rage, anger that's acted out, or loss of control. So when we act out on our anger and when we don't deal with it immediately, the Bible says don't let the sun go down on your wrath. I remember when I first read that, and, and I said, well, you know what? <clears throat> I'm going to stay up all night. <laughs> you know, sometimes I am just so ridiculous. But I think we all are. You know, there's a way around this, Lord. <laughs> Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't let it go on. Because the longer it goes on, the more damage the enemy's able to do, the more opportunity we give him to go in there and do what he does. He's there to steal, kill, and destroy. So we don't want to give the enemy any place. I don't think, do we? Okay. Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 and 11. This portion of scripture Paul had written to the church at Corinth and had heard about a situation that was going on. There was a son that was having an affair with his stepmother in the church. And uh, they, Paul wrote and told them what they needed to do. And this situation ended the brother repented. The son stopped his affair with his mother-in-law, our stepmother. And um, this was a moment in time where uh, Paul's saying, when somebody, when somebody 
ask for forgiveness. When they repent, you need to restore them. And so it says, now whom you forgive anything, I also forgive, lest Satan should take advantage of us. It's not just one. If we don't forgive, the enemy takes advantage of every party involved. And how many of you know when, when there's a hurt, when there's an injury, when there's damage done and unforgiveness and, and bitterness and, and those types of things that rage in us, it seeps out. I guess I'm the only one that it seeps out of. You know, people will know around us that know us that something's wrong. And many times we just give voice to it. And now we start to affect other people by it. And that's where it says the enemy would take advantage of us. All the people that we infect with our unforgiveness, with our bitterness, with our wrath, with our anger. So the enemy is getting great, great mileage out of the incident. It's not just the two. Now it's those that are around them and those that hear from those and those that hear from those. And it can be incredibly wide, widespread. And that's why we, we need to forgive. We need to forgive quickly. We need to have short accounts, very short accounts, And this goes along with this in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 and 15. It says, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Remember that peace is setting at one again. Look carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness spring up and cause trouble. And by this many become defiled. This is again, this is in indicating that when we don't forgive, and we allow that situation that was in the past because we, we don't need to stay in the situation. If somebody's injuring us, somebody's doing damage to us, you don't stay in that damaging environment. You try and, and work it out first, but if you can't work it out, if things don't change, then you need to just step back to God so you can step back into what God has for you. But in this situation... It says a root of bitterness just springs up. When this unforgiveness isn't dealt with, it, it doesn't just stay static. It continues to fester. And bitterness begins to spring up. And that bitterness, just like unforgiveness, will continue to migrate out through all the relationships, all the connections we have in our lives. And it says they become defiled. Well, how did they become defiled? Because I wouldn't let go of my unforgiveness. Because I let my unforgiveness fester. I kept nursing it and rehearsing it, not dispersing it. And it began to seep into everyone and everything around me. And it doesn't just happen with me. It happens with every one of us. And that's why it's so important that we walk in forgiveness. We're going we're gonna to look at this next week. And, you know, sometimes I say, this is what we're going to look at next week. And people, some people think, well, I don't want to go because I don't want to hear it. If you don't want to hear it and I don't want to hear it, it's exactly what we need to hear. <laughs> okay? Just a, a queer, quick indication. That's, that's what we need because God is looking for us to change. If we're going to go from glory to glory, we've got to change from where we've been to where he has for us to be. Amen? Like every head bowed, every eye closed. You know, this forgiveness is first connected in our lives as we receive the forgiveness God has provided for us through Jesus' atoning work on the cross. But we don't experience it until we recognize it, that Jesus did do this for us, did it for you, did it for me. And 
repent, we turn around from running our own lives to entrust our lives to Christ. And we receive him as our Lord. If you have never done that, that's the beginning. You cannot, I cannot, no one can forgive another person until that forgiveness begins to flow in our lives. And as we recognize we have been forgiven of all sorts of things that we never asked for. Things we don't deserve to be forgiven of. We haven't earned the forgiveness, and yet God freely and fully forgives. But we have to recognize it and receive it. If you have never received Christ as your Lord, I want to pray with you today. And I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to uh, indicate anything. We're going to pray this together. But I'm asking you right now, if you have never, never turned to Christ repented of your sin and received his lordship, I just want you right now to lift your hand and say, that's me. Then I believe everyone here has, but it's not just a one-time thing. We start there, but we continue to live in the love of God and in the grace of God and for the glory of God and begin to be transformed into these images of Christ. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And the Bible says it's Christ in you that's the hope of glory. But God wants that glory to be ever increasing in our lives and the glory through our lives as we align more and more with, with God. And as a believer in Jesus Christ, as a follower of Jesus Christ, we have to take seriously the command that we're to forgive everyone of everything. It doesn't mean we reconnect. It doesn't mean we allow it to go on. But we forgive. We release it to God. And Father, I pray right now for every one of us. Search us and show us. Sometimes, Father, we stuff things so far down and so back in the corner, in the dark, that we, we don't even know it's still there. But Father, if there's unforgiveness in our lives towards anyone, I would ask that you would, not in a, an overwhelming way, but Father, in a way that we can walk with you and, and release these things to you, turning the care and the situation over to you, that Father, healing would begin in our own hearts. Wholeness would come. There would be that pure and, and vital loving connection with you and, and a love that connects us in the body of Christ no matter what anybody's done to us Father we're all going to be with you in heaven for eternity help us to learn how to walk in that love now and enjoy the communion of the saints Father thank you for your forgiveness in our lives that has been, that is currently working in our lives and the forgiveness that you offer to us if we get tripped up or fall down. Father, help us never forget that the reference point for us forgiving is how you forgave us. Help us never forget the words of our Lord on the cross after enduring the shame and the suffering and the pain, crying out to you in love, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Father, we thank you that we can walk in this world in a way that is beyond this world, that we would walk supernaturally in your love, and that love would keep us connected with you connected in the body of Christ and drawing people to you. We thank you, Father, for this. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. Would you stand?
God is so faithful. God is so good. God is so loving. And, and that's what he has for us to be. And we're all growing in it. Amen. And God has a great week for you this week. The enemy has a plan for you. But God's plan is better and it's greater. You can overcome whatever you face because he's with you and for you. Father, thank you. Thank you for each and every one of your children. Thank you as we leave here today, Father. We, we hide your word in our heart. We make the adjustments and realignments we need. Father, we know that we're a work in progress. And, and so, Father, we, we know we need your help. But, Father, we know that you are always there to help. You have said, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. So, Father, whatever we encounter, we know that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Father, that we are overwhelmingly more than conquerors. That, Father, we are here to be witnesses, to reveal the goodness and the glory of God. And we thank you, Father, for the privilege of being your children and the amazing opportunity to be co-laborers with you. We bless you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week.